0: Pittsburgh Steeler fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, your host of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning podcast, right here on the Steel Curtain Network. As a part of the Fans First Sports Network, thank you for taking some part of your week, whether it's listening Friday morning or whether you're checking it out on the weekend. Thank you for making me a part of your day. I appreciate it. Make sure you're checking out all of our content at the Steel Curtain Network. You can find us on all of your social platforms just by searching Steel Curtain Network. That is on Instagram. That is on Facebook. That is on Twitter, YouTube, of course, because we also simulcast some of our shows on our YouTube channel, so check us out there. Make sure you are following us wherever you get your podcasts so that you don't miss a thing. On this Friday episode, as always, in the second half, we have the Jeremy Jerome bets coming up. The all bets are off segment, as we call it, and then stay tuned to the very end of the show for a special heart to heart. This is an important episode for me. No, it's not like some special date with me, no, none of that. This is the Matt Canada conundrum. That is the title of this podcast. That is what we're going to be talking about today, at least in the first half. I think that it's amazing how many fans despise this man, Matt Canada. And there's a part of me that thinks that we, as a fan base, we might be placing the blame on the wrong people or the wrong person. Now, I'm not saying that Matt Canada is getting off scot-free. You'll hear this as we go. And the reason where this all comes from, minicamp is over. It's in the books. And Matt Canada spoke to the media believe it was on Wednesday or Thursday, one of those two days, he spoke to the media and everyone was clinging to this one quote. And it was this is what he said. Quote, it's not like I'm coming in here and deciding what it is. And it meaning the game plan, the offensive approach, things like that. And I honestly watched the entire eleven or twelve minute press conference where he fielded questions from the media. And I got to be honest, this was nitpicking. This is where people found the quote. They probably read about it somewhere online, and they ran with it. Local media ran with it. I'm sure there were some national media that did, that also ran with it. The more I listened to this, and the more that I thought about it, it didn't make sense. And it goes to show you that I would say, Maybe this is a little high, but I would say about 90% of the people that took to Twitter, quote tweeted, retweeted, commented, whatever, about this quote from Matt Canada probably did not listen to the entire clip, probably did not listen to the entire press conference. Because if they had, they would have seen several things. They would have heard several things. Before I even get into specifics, man, this guy just seems... Like when he's in front of the media, he seems like he's beyond annoyed, It almost jilted to a, to a certain extent that he is just kind of feeling like maybe, and again, his comment kind of speaks for itself. Maybe he kind of feels like his hands are tied into what he can and cannot do as the offensive coordinator. You know, one of the things that everyone's focusing on is the identity. That's kind of where this all stemmed from. It was a question about the identity of the team. He talked about how he felt like last year they kind of found their identity in the second half of the season, focusing on not turning the football over, running the football with efficiency. He talked about how, you know, there might be more to this identity than we get to. We'll get to that in a second. He talked about the improvement in the red zone. But the one thing that I can't get out of my head is that just it didn't people didn't even listen to the full clip. I mean, not even the full clip. So let me play Here we go. Well, I think
1: we've got a, you know, there's a, there's an identity that's coming from I mean, as an organas- organizational plan, right? It's not like I'm coming in here deciding what it is. There's a plan for Mr. Rooney to Coach Tomlin. And um, so obviously when I say we're going to run the ball, it doesn't mean we're going to run it every play. And our quarterback, you win. Quarterback has to make plays. You're, you're exactly right. In this league, the quarterbacks make the plays to win the games at those key moments. And we have great faith in Kenny, Mitch, and Mason to do that. But the prior question, as I answered it, was just saying, We do have an identity. We're going to be a physical team. And if you stop the run, then we obviously have to take advantage of that with play-action passes, misdirection passes.
0: All right, so he went on to talk about more of the minutiae of the play-action approach, and they do want to run the ball. They want to be a run-first team, but that doesn't mean they're going to just run the ball every single snap. If you listen to the full clip that I just played for you, you heard it. He was saying that from the top down, there is this identity. Read between the lines, folks. It's an organizational plan, as he put it. That means that whether it's Art Rooney or whether it's Mike Tomlin or maybe it's both, they are going to Matt Canada saying, listen, Matt, here's how we're going to do things here. We're going to run the football and we are going to establish the run. We're going to make things easier on our younger quarterback. And then we're going to capitalize when it matters the most. So where does the conundrum lie, right? Well, I feel like maybe, as a fan base, our overall disdain for Matt Canada is displaced. The the improvement in the red zone, all that stuff that he talked about, it's all fluff. Can Matt Canada really run his own offense? That's a question that I don't think anyone even thought would have been asked go back a year ago. Everyone hated the Ben Roethlisberger offense because Ben wasn't, he didn't fit the mold. Last year, they start with Mitch and then they go to Kenny Pickett. This year, maybe you're seeing that the whole thing that maybe the biggest issues that fans have with Matt Canada, maybe the issues should be from the organizational approach, the defensive minded coach. Uh, maybe the the owner that wants things done a certain way that he thinks best. So is he, Matt Canada, still being given the opportunity to run his offense? I don't know. After listening to eleven minutes of this guy talk, I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that the answer is yes, that he is able to actually run his own offense. And that makes me kind of think, is that is this criticism? that we've all given it, myself included, is it warranted? Is it actually warranted? Or Are we pointing our disdain and hatred in the right direction, in the right place? Maybe we're not. Maybe we're going about this all the wrong. Uh, we're going about it all wrong, folks. We're going about it all wrong. I don't know. Talk about a conundrum, though, for me. You know, Matt Canada, If you go back and listen to some of his press conferences, he does not shy away from saying things like this. Maybe sometimes we just don't hear it or don't want to hear it. But I'm just going to say that think about this from a different perspective. When you think about Matt Cannon and all the things that maybe you don't like about it, and I get that there's probably a lot of things you don't like about him. what if his hands are tied? What if he wants to do X, Y, and Z? but he can only do X and Y and Z are left on the cutting room floor because, well, that's not how we want you to run the offense, Matt. So can you really be mad at Matt Canada if that's the case? If he's not going to do it, guess what's going to happen? He's going to be without a job. So most of the time, most of us, including myself, if that were the situation, you do what you're told because you want to keep your job. He has a pretty good job. He's offensive coordinator of the Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of criticism comes with it. But still, something to consider. Something to consider as it pertains to Matt Canada moving into the season. Just some food for thought. I was I was very perplexed when I started thinking about the fan narrative after he made that comment. And then when I listened for myself, and I just thought to myself, maybe we have been wrong all along, at least in some way. I'm not giving him a free pass for everything. Not at all. But you know what? There were some takeaways from Matt Canada's press conference as well. Things that, I, again, everyone clung to that one quote. The, you know, I'm coming in here and deci- I'm not coming in here and deciding what the plan is like that, that quote that I read earlier, that's what everyone focused on, but he talked about so many things that I felt were very beneficial that kind of got just kind of brushed under the rug. I loved his answer when they asked about pressure. He says, Hey, am I, am, I've grown up in the, in the way that it's a privilege to have pressure. Meaning, you know, if you're in a pressure packed job, you're, you're, you're a pretty important person. And so he embraces it. I love that very Mike Tomlin esque right there. He talked about how in today's NFL, it's a mismatch business. You are constantly trying to create and to exploit mismatches with the defense. He, t- he talked about three players in specific that he said could be really big in this type of game, in mismatch games. Darnell Washington was one. Calvin Austin III was the other. Connor Hayward was the third. He's a, you know, if, if Darnell Washington, as an example, if they are taking him out of the game, then we feel like the Steelers have, and this is Matt Canada speaking. We feel as if we have the other players that can also win their mismatches. And they think, and you can just read between the lines, folks. He is saying that he thinks the Steelers offense can be a problem for a lot of people this year. I love it. I love that approach. He did talk about Kenny Pickett's progress that he's had a phenomenal spring. He's been there every step of the way; hasn't missed anything. He's taken on the leadership role. We've all heard about that a lot, but he is reiterating that, which is not what has been happening at some of these position meetings, where or these interviews, where, for instance, Frisman Jackson's quote about George Pickens and how he didn't feel like George Pickens played that great last year, and that's partly on him. Yeah, that, that was not said about Kenny Pickett. You know, he he was asked about in terms of Kenny Pickett in the second half of the season not really taking a lot of risks. He didn't. He didn't take a lot of risks last year. And he said, listen, there's a big difference between like being cautious and then being, you know, you can't be scared. You're going to have to take some risks. You're going to have to take some shots. He feels like they can be a little bit more aggressive this year, and so that's a good thing. But he also, he just talked at length about the the depth that they've added, and especially on the offensive line. He talked about Isaac Samalu more than once. He's really excited about the group up front that they have to work with. He loves the additions of Broderick Jones, Darnell Washington, already mentioned him. I think Matt Canada is looking at this, and outside of that one singular quote that everyone is clinging to for dear life for whatever reason, he's looking at this and saying, I'll tell you what, I, I, he likes the offense. He loves the group that they have. Will they be able to get it done? I don't know. Is Matt Canada the sole person that's going to make that happen or come to fruition or not? After listening to that, I'm not so sure. So maybe the people above him, Rooney, Tomlin, etc., maybe they, if they feel that the, it's warranted, let the reins off of Canada a little bit to say, hey, let's open it up a little bit. We will see how this plays out. But unfortunately, we won't find out until at the very earliest training camp, which is at the end of July. Really interesting stuff. The Matt Canada conundrum. If you want to let me know what you think about that, hit me up on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Would love to hear from you. In fact, second half of this show, we have the All Bets Are Off segment. Stay tuned till the very end for a heart-to-heart. You won't want to miss that. We'll be right back after this break. for Steelers fans, it is Friday, it's the second half of the Let's Ride podcast. You know what that means. It's time for the All Bets are Off segment with Jeremy Jerome Betts. What's up, Jeremy? How's it going?
1: It's going pretty good, man. Uh, staying busy with work, new job, So, but it's going well, yeah. enjoying it, but still excited to talk Steelers football as always every week.
0: Yeah, we do this every week, no matter what, in case you're new to the program. Every Friday, Jeremy joins me unless schedules get in the way. Most of the time we're here talking about the Steelers and, you know, we're Wrapping up minicamp, and there's a lot of stories mm-hmm. coming out of minicamp. I, I just kind of want to get your feel for a couple things, a couple players. Of course, we're going to talk about Kenny Pickett. And yes. there's a lot of folks, the like beat writers that are out there that are giving their perspective on what Kenny Pickett looks like in year two comparative to year one. I'm not sure if that's really fair considering he was a rookie last year and right. was really thrown into the mix in, in minicamp. But still, let's go back, though. And, and instead of trying to evaluate minicamp, which can be damn right impossible because, well, yeah. we're not there and, and it's football and shorts. When you look at what Kenny Pickett did on the field last season as a rookie and you think about, OK, what does he need to improve upon in year two? Like, what are some of the things that you can kind of bullet point? that You're like, OK, if I'm thinking about Kenny Pickett as a product where he needs to go in year two is what? Give me some of those.
1: I think if I were to give you like just some bullets number one is efficiency. I think he needs to improve his efficiency as a passer. I think some of that has to do with how they'll ask him to play in 2023. I'm writing an article right now. It should come out soon about how I don't think it's all about the stats for Kenny Pickett heading into 2023. He can still make a leap Um, and a big one, a significant one without putting up Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes type numbers. Uh, especially with the way the offense is designed, but you would like to see more efficiency, and that comes with making better reads and better accuracy on the intermediate ball. I think that's probably probably the biggest one there. Uh, when you saw his, his highlight reels, it's passes over the middle in traffic, so he does a good job on those. It's those back shoulder fades to uh George Pickens it's some of the dink and dunk stuff but as far as like just picking apart defenses in the intermediate range that's that's where he really needs to to show improvement I think if he does that his efficiency goes up decision making in the red zone that could come down to play calling too so there's a myriad of things but when you're talking about what Kenny Pickett already has which is the moxie to play the quarterback position and I really do believe a a feel for the game then I think where he needs to improve then is is taking the opportunities that he has in an offense that's going to be run first, that's going to be designed around a powerful offensive line and two powerful running backs doing a lot of the dirty work and taking his moments to be very efficient and maybe produce some more explosive plays.
0: You know, on Wednesday, and you kind of brought this up, it's a good segue. On Wednesday, Matt Canada spoke with the media after, it might have been before or after, I don't know. I saw the the highlights and some of the quotes after practice had ended. And they asked him about what he thinks, you know, what do you think it's going to look like? Or what, what do you think this offense is going to look like? He basically said, well, I think we found a good recipe in the second half of the season. Yeah, And so a lot of people, a lot of media outlets are running with this, suggesting that this is going to be just the same old, same old. And it's going to be try and ground and pound, protect the football. It it can't be just that though, right, Jeremy? I mean, in 2023, you can't have an NFL offense that's going to do any damage both in the regular season and in the postseason if you get there. If you're just going to say, we're going to play it safe, protect the football, and we're going to run between the tackles and we're going to run it and run it and run it. That can't be it, right? This has to be them with a little bit of a smokescreen. Do you agree or disagree?
1: I I agree in the fact that when it comes down to it you're going to have to ask your quarterback and your playmakers on the outside in the passing game to win some ball games. You you can't just rely on that running game and you know a lot of critics of the Steelers end of season run was that the teams they played weren't very good overall across that back portion of the season. And yeah, do I think they found a formula that can succeed? I I do but you're going to have to modify it. You're going to have to add layers to it. You're going to have to be, like I said, more explosive because if you're relying on 15 to 20 play drives to get you down the field and then um, you know, you, you can't settle for field goals like they had to last year and expect to win ball games anymore. So I think you have a winning formula if you can become one of the top players five to 10 teams in red zone efficiency, as opposed to a bottom five team in red zone efficiency, like they were last year. So there's some of that formula that I think can still work, but you put a lot of pressure on your defense and you put a lot of pressure on your offensive line to control the game uh, so that your, your ground and pound style can work. We've seen it work in the past with like the 2019 Titans, I believe that uh, made it to an AFC championship game and they rode the back of Derrick Henry and an efficient passing offense to to success along with a good defense. So we've seen it work, but in the end, the result was what most of the time is, is that the high-powered offense took them down in the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's going to be important for the Steelers to add some layers to the offense as far as explosiveness, or you're going to cap out at, yeah, we can beat up on the teams that are below or even maybe at our level. But if you move up a gear, uh, is it just going to be more uh, 38 to 30 Bengals losses? Like we saw in the second game
0: last year. So you got to have a little bit more to it. You know, you you talk about it. it, Can the defense stand tall? Because it puts a lot of stress on them. If if you're going to have a ball control offense and they're going to struggle in the red zone, like you just mentioned, it's going to put a lot of stress on them. And when I think about the Steelers' defense in 2023, I, I, I don't know if I'm sold on that. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns there. You look at the inside linebacker position. Yeah, we all hope that Cole Holcomb, Holcomb pans out, yeah. but we don't think the depth is that great there. like the three safeties cornerback. I mean, are they going to rely on Joey Porter Jr. right out of the gate? We like Patrick Peterson. I hope he has a lot, a, a lot left in the tank. Uh, is Keanu Benton going to be able to come out and contribute right away? There's a lot of question marks in my opinion, but I want to ask you, do you have any hesitation about this defense in 2023? Or do you think that it's just a matter of them kind of figuring it all out?
1: While I do think they'll have some growing pains, I think that the defense will eventually work itself out to be a a contributor to winning performances and not just not necessarily even a reason they don't lose, you know, but actually playmaking, setting up the offense in position to succeed. A lot of that depends on health, but you're right. Um, I have said a couple times on podcasts now that, you know, we've got, we're, we're relying on some ifs to work out. If we want this defense to be, there's that word again. If we want this defense to be elite, So you've got to have hit on the free agent signings. You're going to have to have some rookies contribute. If Joey Porter Jr. comes along slowly at first and Keanu Benton doesn't really hit the ground running on that defense, you you could have some holes. And it's going to be about that team really finding their stride and gelling quickly as a unit. I think having Terrell Austin coaching the entire defense with his – experience as a secondary coach is huge for the young guys because they're going to be able to lean on his experience and his field vision from that regard as well as Minka Fitzpatrick and Levi Wallace still being there is actually a big deal in my opinion because he knows the defense he knows the scheme he knows what the the team wants to do so you've got pieces that can work if they do I think this is a really good defense but you are relying on some some unknowns here to work out in your favor. Do I think the defense will be bad ever? I don't know, but do, do they have the ability to kind of just sell in as okay good to good instead of great, instead of a reason the Steelers win? They could if some of these pieces take longer than we, th- we think or hope that they will to work out.
0: Now, the next question, which stays on the defensive side of the ball, I kind of got a little bit of your answer to this on the Steelers fix this week when – Uh, Andrew Wilbar, that miserable little man, brought it up and kind of (laughs) poo-pooed the report that I had last weekend about Chase Young, (laughs) potentially. There's interest. That's all I said. If if people actually listen to the podcast and actually read the article that I wrote, I never once said that a deal is imminent. I never once said that it was a guarantee to happen. I just said there was interest. And that could end like that. Chase Young could play out his season in Washington become a free agent next year. I don't. That could happen, and people are going to come back at me and say you were wrong. I'm I'm not wrong if I never predicted anything too specifically happened, right? But when you saw that, what was your first take? You're an Ohio State guy. I figured you would know more than any anyone that you know with with Chase Young spending his collegiate career there and with with the Buckeyes. What were your thoughts when you saw the report?
1: Well, going back to his Buckeye days, the the Bosa brothers coming out was kind of the the gold standard you know joey bosa came out first then uh chase young is next and then you had nick bosa kind of follow that up well chase young was supposed to be better than than both of those boys and (laughs) he was in college he just was an absolute wrecking machine in the mold of a jadavian clowny off the edge and we've seen kind of injuries derail that a little bit maybe a I don't, I don't want to call him out for lack of motivation or anything like that, but you do get tired of, of a culture in Washington, most likely, that is in the news for all the wrong reasons all the time. So it you know a fresh start for him could be huge. That being said, when I saw the report from you, I thought, oh man, this could be amazing for this defense because in my personal opinion, if you don't have an elite quarterback, if you don't have one of the top three or four or five guys, we've seen it now the last several years in the league, you have to be extremely deep along your defensive front in order to hang with those teams. Patrick Mahomes' offenses are the gold standard of, of what's winning Super Bowls these days, but you have teams like the Eagles last year, the 49ers the year pri- or a couple years prior that just relied on incredible front sevens. Even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a point had a fantastic front seven that just Dominated games. And if you are the Pittsburgh Steelers and you don't know if you have an elite quarterback yet, what more important thing could you do than really just get as much depth, as much starting caliber, star caliber players on that defensive front? So I said, my initial thought was bring him in. And then my second thought was, oh, wait, how much is it going to cost though? Because, you know, Omar Khan, I, I trust to to make uh like a contract work but what are we giving up for a guy that has some question marks can he stay healthy is he motivated enough to be able to play at a high level still there there are some questions but i think again culture is a huge deal and then the the talent is undeniable from a tape perspective if you just turn on his tape at Ohio State and early on in Washington it's just next level stuff so bringing him in would be huge. I think for the Steelers chances, if they don't bring him in, I said this on the Steelers I said they don't bring him in. I don't think it tells us much about what the Steelers think of themselves in 2023, but if they do bring him in, I think it tells us loads about what they think of themselves as a potential contender for a title, not just, Hey, we, we want to try to win our division and, and win a playoff game.
0: Yeah, so this report has really caught on like wildfire and it still continues to smolder with the Washington fan base. And I was actually on a podcast uh, Wednesday uh, with the Washington Post and they asked me about, what do you think it would take? This is the most difficult question to answer because you have an organization in the Washington Commanders who basically just told uh, their star player, their top pick, top five draft pick in that draft class, we're not picking up your fifth year option. I mean, yeah. is there a bigger slap in the face to a to a player than we have contractual control over here for one more year because we value you and we want you for that one more year, likely for more? We're not picking it up, so they're not picking it up. He's had injuries, like you mentioned. What is the asking price and what is the reality? Do they mesh? Probably not. That's why yeah. I don't really see a deal getting done. But that's the toughest question to ask. When they, like, what do you think it would take? I mean, are the Steelers, but they throw in a player, someone like Kevin Dotson and say, Hey, you know, we'll throw in this guy. He's got a ton of starting experience. He's probably not the happiest year after signing Isaac Siamala. Would they want that? Do they need that? I don't know. I don't know Washington's roster that well, but so really interesting stuff. Uh, I want to ask you a question here. Uh, You know, Taylor Swift is coming to Pittsburgh and uh, she will be playing at Accra stadium. My first question is, I'm assuming that you wouldn't just volunteer to go to that. So (laughs) how much, how much would you need to, so someone has to pay you, how much would it take for you to go to a Taylor Swift show? They they say, we'll give you a hundred bucks. You don't have to pay for the ticket. Here's a hundred bucks. Would you go to the show? I I don't think so. (laughs) All right. Um, What's your number? Name your number then. Okay. So, okay. So
1: I'm going to go from the perspective that I live like way out of town here going to be anywhere, wherever, wherever she's going to be. it's close. To, if it's close to me, I'd be like, okay, you, you gotta get me like, like a, a suite or something like that at a stadium where I can be comfortable. You Don't want to be with the Swifties. Food and every, no, I'm not gonna be down on the floor. Let me hear it. Let me enjoy the vibe, I guess. But don't put me on the floor with those nuts. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, so the price, I guess, um, if I had to label it, eh, give me give me five hundred bucks. Give me something like that that I can spend outside of the place when I'm yeah. done and, uh, I'll go I'll
0: 500 it. bucks and a suite. Okay. What was the, what's yeah. the last concert you've been to? Who'd you see? Oh
1: man, <sighs> Jeff, I've never really been a big concert guy. Really? Just you've haven't never been to a concert? <laughs> no, I <laughs> like, uh, I grew up on like Southern gospel concerts oh, and, like, gosh, in churches, but that's about Jeez. it, man.
0: I've only heard, so, uh, uh, I, I've heard about this.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to try. Okay. So Western North Carolina is where we live. Yeah. The big, the big guy out here is Luke Combs. So I got to get oh, myself yeah. to Luke Combs concert at some point.
0: Well, he's chugging beers with Kenny or with Kenny Pickett. I, yep, so absolutely. there you go. There you go. There get you go, yourself man. to a concert, man. They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. All right, Jeremy, go ahead and plug what you got coming up on the Steelers fix as well as for the website.
1: Yeah. So we just did on the fix, part one of our way too early look at the 2024 NFL draft. If you're a guy like Andrew Wilbar and myself, then it's never too early, but we realize for most of you, it's probably not on your radar, especially with the hype around the Steelers right now. But we took a look at kind of a prediction, if you will, of the Steelers potential team needs in 2024. That was part one, part two, we're going to break down some players. We might extend it to a part three, depending on how long that looks like it's going to take. But uh, we're just trying to give a heads up on what's to come, where the draft might be strong, things along those lines. And then we'll have other content coming for you there. Uh, and then on the website, I mentioned I'm writing about Kenny Pickett and, and is it all about stats? Can he make the leap without being uh, a, a massive box score guy? I think so. You'll hear that or you'll read about that on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com
0: soon. Very good. Jeremy, as always, thanks for your time. We'll talk next Friday. Sounds good, man. All right, take it easy. All right, and a big thank you to Jeremy Drone Betts, as always, for taking the time on a Friday. Man, I'm not so sure about his uh, concert history. We might need to check in on that. I mean, can someone get the guy, like, a a ticket to a local cover band even? Like, that's better than any. That's better than nothing. Come on, Jeremy. Anyways, let's finish this up like we always do on Fridays with a heart-to-heart. In case you didn't know, folks, this weekend is Father's Day. Sunday is Father's Day. Uh, for, for me, I am a father. You listen to my podcast long enough, you know, I have five children, one boy, four girls, oldest boy. Yeah. All all the four girls are younger. They range from ages 14 all the way down to, well, soon to be five. My youngest is going to be five in a couple days. But the one thing to keep in mind about father's day is I always think about my dad and my dad was, is the reason why I am a Steelers fan. When I was a kid, I still have very fond memories of doing some really silly stuff. Um, I can remember going to his friend's house to watch playoff games. His friend had a what we call a kegerator. He had the keg in the garage. My brother and I would be responsible for, we learned at a very young age how to properly pour a beer from a tap. Uh, why? You don't want a lot of head on it. We'd get sent back into the garage all the time to redo it if we messed up. You learn quick not to mess it up. But it was just the experience of just being around my dad. He was very, at that time in his life, was just so animated watching the games and yelling and screaming. I found it to be so much fun. Uh, he's calmed down a lot since those days. But I will always look back on those days with very fond memories, uh, with family, with friends, Super Bowl experiences, some good, some bad. Um, I've always tell the story about the 05 playoff run against the Colts. I'll tell that another day. Uh, that game was incredible for so many reasons, personal and from the Steelers' perspective. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. If your father is still around, then make sure you uh, you know give him a freaking hug. It's something I started doing a, a while ago. My dad at first we were just handshakes, and I was like, you know what? No, I'm going to give my dad a freaking hug. Why? Because I love the guy, and I'm going to give him a hug. And now it's just that's what we do. And at first it was like, oh my gosh, what's my dad going to think? No, give him a freaking hug. If he's around, give him a hug. Tell him you love him because you just don't know how long they're going to be around. And for those of you that don't have your father around, maybe you understand exactly what I'm talking about. And if you are a father, whether your father's around or not, make sure you're that example for your children. If you're If you have a daughter, make sure you are that example of the person you want them to marry later down the road. Be that high upstanding individual. And if you have a son, make sure you are the example of the man you want them to become. So I'm not trying to tell you how to live your lives. Just a little bit of advice from a guy who's kind of done that and been around that bend of life uh, five different times. So there you have it, folks. A little heart-to-heart Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. I will be back on Monday with a Let's Ride podcast with a Monday morning conversation. Time to update some things. That should give you a hint as to which direction I'm headed on Monday. But enjoy your weekend. Happy Father's Day. You know how we finished it out. Be safe. Be kind. And God bless. See you on Monday. Good you.